Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined live in person with Michael Daniels. Man. How's it going, Mike? How was your week? Pretty great. You drove all the way over to New York City from <laughs> Tennessee. How did you even do to that? The, to the live studio. I know, man. You, you just got uh, some miles on the cars. Well, right? I got one of those uh, Elon Musk Teslas, and so I was able to take <laughs> it on his secret under uh, subterranean right. highway and get it up to... Uh, Isn't he building like a Super a pursuit mode. He's building a, your, one of those uh, train things, right? A bullet train? Yeah, he monorail. is. He is. He's like yeah. super excited about it. He's going to, you know, have one just from his house straight to L.A. or there something. You go. Yeah. That, that crazy guy. How was your trip? So you're on your way back up north. Yep. Back and, home. And, and hanging out with uh, here in Bloomington just for a little bit, right? Yeah. I like to break up the drive. It's the whole drive from mom and dad's place in northern Indiana to my sister's place in Columbia, Tennessee. It's over eight hours. Right. Um, and I've done it, but since Bloomington is close to the halfway point, well, it is because it makes the whole drive closer to nine hours. But I like to stop here for a night or two and then hang out with the guys. And, and still, since you and whatever. since you have a, a job that you can work from from your wherever location you're at, you can just continue to work. Yeah, it's so flexible. that's very that's very nice. You're you're mobile, not just mm-hmm. like remote. You're also mobile wherever you right. Like right. Oh, that's kind of nice. The um, so yeah, uh, I did my weekend. Um, they had a balloon festival here. Okay. I mean, it's not something I would typically do, I guess, but sure. it's a family thing, is what right. it was. So they had those gigantic balloons, not just balloon balloons like we had kids in the beach. They had some of those. Hot air balloons? Hot air balloons, yeah. yeah. Which is funny. Like, didn't all floaty balloons hot air? Anyway. Um, well, helium's not hot. Oh, yeah, you're right. right it's so. like literally heat, which is... But hot air balloons mean like crazy, literally like, gigantic ones. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I saw, I saw a meme based on this recently. It's just like, who was the first person to say like... Hey, we're gonna go to this thing. We're gonna um, put a, you know, a giant silk bag over your head and with we're gonna, fire. And we're gonna blow a, a giant flame torch into it until it hovers in the air, and then you're gonna stand in a big wicker basket. Yeah, like <laughs> who, who thought that up? <laughs> it and was like we. It became this, this huge thing that there are festivals all over. Oh yeah, yeah, all year, uh, all year. But, and and they do it when they let that fire. It's like this boom, huge like massive torrents of flame that shoot up and they get them up like in 15 minutes like it's so fast yeah but the um that's so much fire like i i just wouldn't want to be in that basket with that fire have you ever this... done that have you ever gone no. up in one of the yeah me neither. I, right. I, w- I would I, i'm not scared of it but it just seems like the i would rather jump out of a plane and skydive than be uh, that huge flame next to a silk it's probably neat nylon or some kind of thing. Now, right, but, it's non-flammable. But it feels like it could go up at any second, you know. I've seen pictures of the Hindenburg. And, right. right. <laughs> Filled with hydrogen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, let's put the most flammable gas say, possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about this when we watched Vertigo, but I have agoraphobia. So I'm like, <laughs> both of those activities, skydiving and... <laughs> I was talking to my niece who is 10 or 11 when they got uh when they got home and I said cuz they you know the plane had just landed and she was telling me how her brother my nephew was freaking out and I said yeah the the landing part to me is more scary and she was like really I think the taking off is more scary and in that moment I was like how how much of my crazy it's like the thing i'm sure parents must go through it's like 
how much of my neuroses do I want to pass on <laughs> to, to this child in this moment? Right. But I'm like, for me, because I overthink everything, and because I've played a couple of flight simulator games, right. I know that, you know, when I played the flight simulator game and you're playing a, you're flying a plane off an aircraft carrier, taking off is easy. Right. Landing is super difficult. And <laughs> that is the truth. I mean, that's an aircraft carrier, not a, not a plane on a runway. But I'm still like, I'm, I can picture myself in a plane pushing the controls. And I'm like, you push the throttle forward, flap the wing, the, you know, turn the flaps up, mm-hmm. and the plane's going to go. And all you have to do is get it off the ground into the And then you the can air. like wobble it around, right? Obviously, <laughs> it's not really that simple. But when you're landing, you have to get the right speed, come down the right way, hit the wheels exactly, exactly the same right in just the right alignment like there's so much more so much, so much more. less margin of error and i'm sure every part of it is complicated oh, yeah. at every step of the process but I, I you know i never i'm like maybe i won't i'm i'm in my mind i'm like yeah when you're landing is the time that like the wheels might snap off or something oh, right, right, like, right. i don't want to put that on a 10 year old she's going to land next uh, <laughs> next time they'll fly she'll, she'll be think about know, that. terrified i i flew in a small plane uh like a jet plane okay. to, to from like Evansville to like hop to Indianapolis or something. Right. Okay. It was just like one of these little things that had like 15 people on it yeah. or whatever. And, and I, I made the mistake that you can look in through the cockpit. This is pre nine 11. And I think, yeah, probably. Okay. And you could look through the cockpit because the cockpit, the door was open, yeah. you know, and I could see the it's stuff. Like a private plane. No, it wasn't a private plane, but it's about oh, that but size. Pre nine eleven, so they're not locked. They didn't have a locked door or anything. Yeah. I could just see the see the thing, see which is funny now. I could see out the front window, yeah. and I just leaned over and saw it. And people, this is not good uh, podcasting because the visual, but it's not just like you know going up and down mm-hmm. and you know doing the barrel roll things. It's also like this Z axis side yeah. thing. So he's landing this little plane, and it's going like, and I'm like. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and I and I you know I got my video game stuff, so I can feel like oh you're just using your sticks and you like, but all of a sudden when that thing starts kind of going sideways, I'm like, how do you right trigger that? You know, do you right. like what? <laughs> oh my god! And, it, and he lands it, and he doesn't land it like it isn't like smooth and slow. It just slowly comes down perfectly. It's like it's wobbling yeah. all the way through. Every every time I've flown commercially and landed, I always feel like. We just barely pulled it off. I did too. And ever since I saw that, I felt the same way. I'm like, when we land, I'm low-key cool, but I'm like, it's rough. We're Gripping dying. The arm, There's, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and, like and I feel watch, that same uh, way you feel. It's like, we just made that. I know, we, and everybody's like, yeah, good job. I'm like, right. no, you don't know. We probably almost just died. <laughs> you get, uh, and you know, it's one of those things like a roller coaster or whatever, where you're like, they're doing this every day, yeah. nonstop. Yeah, they're used um, to it. But yeah, it feels like you watch um, Battlestar Galactica because it's basically an air, uh, aircraft carrier. Yeah, right. Space. It's a spacecraft carrier. Yeah, and they they land those Vipers in those side. Oh yeah, yeah. Bays on, they and they slam like, them down. They come in. They don't even have wheels. They're just like skating across yeah, the deck. Right. And like that's what it feels like. <laughs> in a yeah. The the uh, and I the thing about taking off and landing for me is that like if they're if you're going taking off and there's something that goes wrong, they can be like brakes, slow down, stop. Like if you're landing, you're going four thousand miles an hour. You can't slow down and you can't yeah. speed up. 
you just you're just done. I, at one point, they're like, "Jesus, take the wheel." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they hit those brakes, and you just slam they forward. Brakes, yeah. and you know what? And I know they probably have like 16 football fields for the thing, but I'm thinking they're probably gonna make it. They're not gonna right. slow down fast enough. They're gonna crash into the building. <laughs> the building. I can tell. And there's not a building at the end of the runway. But... <laughs> not like airplane when they <laughs> they come into it. Like the... yeah. And they're like sliding on yeah. the landing gear. And so I don't know what we got on that one, but the, yeah, the we're we're <laughs> sort of in our our what we used to call good time. I wanted to. Um, my last week has been almost nothing except for taking dogs outside and playing classic World of Warcraft. But we've talked about that the last two shows, so <laughs> we might come back to some some g- general Blizzard stuff toward the end of the show. I mean, it's, it's hard when you've been like. That's what you've been doing. Yeah, it's what you've been doing. Right. Um, but I wanted to maybe talk briefly about um, different stuff that we've watched or read recently sure. that we could recommend or just mention. You know, I have some. I have some of both. Um, last night, my sister and brother-in-law and I watched a movie called Chef with John Favreau. Yeah, I saw you post about that. I didn't even know that was a thing. That looks. I didn't either. He um, is he like a real chef? Oh wait, he does. He has a. Uh, Iron Man lady, Gwen Feltro. Yeah. She's on that. I saw it. So he, he has a show, TV show, that's called, like, <laughs> Chef Show or The Chef yeah. Show. It's on Netflix. Um, where he and, as I understand it, the chef who consulted and trained him for that movie mm-hmm. uh, go around to different kitchens, different restaurants, and some in their own. Like, they'll go to a restaurant and... Um, the people there will cook for them. Like they'll close it down for a private event. In the second episode, he has Robert Downey Jr., um, Tom Holland, uh, Feige, and one of the oh. one of the Russos. And you know the guys that <laughs> the guys that run that restaurant will like bring them out like a twelve course thing of what mm. th- whatever they make there and like little shrimp tacos, right, or right. whatever all that stuff. And then later. Um, the chef and Feige will make like the slow roasted pork Cuban sandwiches that they make oh, in the cool. movie, and they'll have those guys. They'll like use their kitchen and then uh, have those guys come and feed it to them, and it's just like that's this, cool. this celebration of cooking and great food. And it's kind of how the movie is. It's wow. the story is about him, and he's separated from his wife, and they have a son who is, I think, twelve or fourteen. Okay. And how he he works in a restaurant at the beginning, and that goes wrong, and he goes to Miami and um, buys an old food truck. And actually, the guy who is his ex-wife's ex-husband, like her first husband, is uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, nice. Which is funny. And somebody else is in, oh, his, like, the hostess when he's working at the restaurant is Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, so it's, it's all like the Marvel this, uh, you know, not quite incestuous kind of that, thing. Funny. But the movie was really good. It felt. Um, and this was a movie, not a show. Okay, there's a, there was a movie in fourteen, and the show is sort of like a. And Favreau's this main star. Yeah, right? he's okay. the main star. He also wrote it. How, how about that guy? Right, like who would have yeah. guessed this dude? Like he, first off, he doesn't look like he'd be anything big in Hollywood, right? But he is all the things. He does right? look like he could be a chef. <laughs> the chef's about the thing. Like, I mean, you watch him doing, and he's like, 
chopping stuff and, right. and tasting, and I'm like, yeah, this looks completely and his natural. natural. Yeah. See, I, I he was in what was the show he I, was in? I with, kept uh, thinking of all the cheeseburgers that he's gonna get. For, <laughs> oh, for the happy thing, yeah. yeah shows about cooking. Yeah, so I, I really like. Like I said, he's he can switch from actor to then director, and I think all of Hollywood takes him seriously in both roles. Yeah, a lot of people can be like, I'm an actor, but I'm now I step. I do a I do a TV show or something, and then or I'll come back and right. one episode of a show I step behind, or I make my own movie once, mm-hmm. and then but they're really actors, right? Yeah. Um, but he's like totally like top tier on both of those things. So yeah, there aren't too many. And maybe there are more than I realize, but there aren't too many people that can flip back and forth. Well, there aren't too many that can do acting and directing in the same movie. Yeah, right. Especially starring, like right. being the the main character. Um, and there also aren't too many, I feel like, that go back and forth. Right. Like there are no, some, they're not. They're, yeah. There are some They'll former actors that transition into director, like um, right. I'm thinking of Riker. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes directed a couple episodes of Discovery. He also directed an episode of The Orville. Did he, which really? Which is fairly, That's you know, awesome. kind of you hilarious. Know, but I just read where he said um, that he had, he got, like, nauseous at playing Riker again. He's in the Picard uh, okay. show. And he got nauseous like hmm. at, at taking that role again. Because he's like, this is this is the role that I'm known for. Yeah, and he says I haven't acted in like ten to fifteen years, Decade, yeah. and he says, and it's been a long time, and I have to go back and step into the, my most thing I'm known for. And if I mess it, he says, I just got that thing. If I mess this up, I'm wrecking my whole like life legacy. It would be interesting. He said it was fine. Yeah, but I don't know what kind of information is out there, but I feel like the last, and again, I don't know the chronology, but he directed the Star Trek Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Right, which was the one. Now, in retrospect, when I saw it, and I was eighteen, twenty, thereabouts, like I remember talking to my friends about the the moral, ethical dilemma in that movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? Is that the one where, where they had like the skin people? Yeah, they're the, the people who are dying, right. and they find this planet that has. Um, Picard's got a girlfriend in that one. Particle yeah. rings around it that are are de aging, right. like all the characters. From the Enterprise become more youthful and right. I remember that Troy and Riker get back together and all that right. stuff. I'm I thinking of the right movie? Yeah, because they're in this briar patch mm-hmm. that they got to. Every one of those movies, by the way, the move this next generation movies, Frakes is just like having a ball. Right. Like he, like they don't even put Riker as important roles in any of those no. movies. He's just like I'm fun. Which... And he smiles the whole time and. Is a lot of what he did on the show, well, right? Like, he I don't was know, the I, Captain I Kirk he, character. Like, kinda. Picard is doing some, like, diplomatic negotiation, and Riker is, like, taking every female alien they meet he, to he, bed. He did. He, yeah. he was. But he was... I always saw him as the um, the hard-nosed guy. Like, he was the one that... He always said the, the shift things, and he was always the, you know, telling people what to do, and he was always on... Um, Ro Lauren, like, no, Ro Laren. Laren. He was all riding her case the whole, like, after she got on the show, he was the hard ass for the whole time. They leaned into this, um, what I think of, I've never been in the military, but what I think of is this military sort of structure where the captain is the guy, like, he's big picture, and his second in command is, like, the, um, 
DeWine is really running the he's ship. He's like the floor yeah. manager. Yeah, right. right. That's not a military analogy. No. That's a but he does analogy, do the but, things, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that's what I thought Riker always was, and so especially in the later seasons, he was very much more a serious character. Yeah, and then when you get the movies, he's just like, "Nope, I'm I'm good now. <laughs> We're making movies. This is great." Well, Woo-hoo. anyway, that insurrection. I said the thing about the ethical quandary because you have this issue of like they're going to harvest the particles from the rings around this planet, and it won't be a fountain of youth planet anymore. But they're going to make it into you know a drug or whatever to. Mm-hmm give to people all over. I mean, they were going to keep it for themselves, but it's right. whatever. And the people who were on the planet were like colonists. They weren't even native to the planet. Right. So it was like, did they have more of a right to it? These couple hundred people more so right. than using it to help everybody in the galaxy. Right. And like, obviously the guys who wanted to harvest it were the villains. Right. And you're like, Oh, that's why data broke the prime directive because he didn't, he didn't think it was right, you know, for the, you know, that's how the movie starts. But that's the one where Riker uh, flies the ship manually with a joystick. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, a joke right. for years. And Jonathan Frakes directed that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wonder how long after that he did any other kind of directing. And it might not have been that long. Like, that movie probably wasn't as poorly received as I think in retrospect like yeah it's hard to, hard to I, I watch it so much time I, that one there i actually think of it, like a lot of the next generation ones feel like episodes that would felt mm-hmm. like just a, a longer episode um and the, all of them the, except for generations where they generations the ship. no generations was the, that was the that was the movie i mean yeah. i think if there's next generation movie that's what they you know, crashed the ship and captain kirk died yes like yes uh, and the thing was in that. And, the stakes don't okay, get Okay, we're, we're 24 minutes in and we're already talking Star Trek. <laughs> How did we get into talking about Star Trek? Uh, so, oh, yeah, so, yeah, so give me your, what have you been watching and I I have, reading? I have been, okay, so I've been doing some good things and some bad things. Okay. Okay, so uh, <laughs> for some, I used to go to bed at night and watch some shows and just have a show on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Usually something new. Um uh, but uh, I have a bit of a backlog, and I know there's at least two shows or movies that you've recommended. Like, we, you need to watch this so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I gotta watch those, and I know those are all my things. And then I've not watched those, not because for any reason. Actually, I think one of them is because I want to watch with Sid. Uh, okay, but, sure. but 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 uh, but other ones are like, I, I gotta watch. Those are ones I watch. The Boys is one of them, mm-hmm. right? Don't, like, w- don't watch that with Sid. No, no. <laughs> but but those are it, maybe it's that it's the anime and then the Boys. There's there's okay. two there's two. Those yeah, are the yeah, two yeah. that I like. I have to watch those and I want to watch those. And then for some reason, when I sit down to watch, I totally forgot that I have to watch those Mm. shows. Um, So instead I watch, I have been actually watching a lot of shows at night and watching them all and staying up too late. Like I watched Dune, Mm. you know, like the original Dune from the 80s. Yeah. Like Frank Herbert's Dune. Actually, I didn't realize that there was, yeah, I didn't realize that there was a newer one. There's like like a a TV TV miniseries. Yeah. I've seen them both and I, couldn't tell you anything about except there are snakes, sand snakes, yeah. not George R. R. Martin's sand snakes, the big worms, <laughs> the worms, the yeah. Um, which, which, which uh, those come, those came before Tremors, right? It was Tremors because one ripped off the other for sure. I mean, Dune is a book, so yeah, right. it probably, it's probably did, right? Well, so I had watched Dune a long time ago, sure, right? And I'm, I think that I probably watched it in several sittings when I was younger, because okay. I, 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 I guarantee you, I've not watched that movie sitting down at one time. It's very it's weird. It's a slow type thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have 
it's not ex- it's explosive. It's weird. It's just different. Um, but I liked it. I mean, I, I actually kind of liked it. It is definitely dated. They sure. are they are going to be remaking it. I guess they're they're putting a new one. Yeah, something which like would that. be kind of cool because it's got some really neat things. But then you just really stuck with like these are terrible seventies eighties <laughs> graphics. I mean, really yeah. bad. Like and the um like the caves look terrible and right. the, the castle castle walls the sets are awful you can see the paper mache right yeah. but but the world is like so cool and it's like okay this mm-hmm. book is clearly an awesome book and yeah and the writers loved it and got it just the the, the rest of the team didn't it's one of those things that. where you're like this was really waiting for modern special effects yeah. to be able to to make real actually so it will be cool i bet side no we talked last a couple weeks ago about um Alita Battle Angel or yeah, yeah, Battle Alita. Angel mm-hmm. Alita. They did make an anime. It's just called Battle Angel. Oh, is that right? It's like from the 90s. Oh, I, I, Sid loves those books. She's read a lot of them and watched, loves that movie. I could watch that. Uh, I've been reading in the mornings periodically, not a lot these days, but I will go and have a coffee before work. Sure. My chill time <laughs> and uh, getting ready for the day. And I, I, will, I like to put down my electronics and read. Okay. Like have coffee in a nice lit place. Calm and read, um, and I um, and I only get I only get like two two three chapter two three chapters in because it's only like twenty minutes or so. Sure, um, but uh, I've I've been reading through the uh, Douglas Hollick, I think is his name. He's the author. He wrote um, Among Thieves. It's called the Tales of the Tales of the Kin, um, and I had read. Those a, sound familiar, but they also sound like they could be any. Could right. Anything, right. <laughs> so so the book is called uh, Among Thieves. Is the first book, and I read it. Many years ago, like ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, okay. uh, my buddy Dave Beller had had um, recommended it and it gave it to me like, and it was great. It was a very um, rogue centered book, hence sure. among thieves and rogue guild. And the, the unique thing that he wrote was he he writes, he even puts a preface as the author, like, okay, I'm an author. I'm gonna, I gotta speak to you first before you read this book. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of times in here they speak in what they call thieves can't. Right and and it's they they will say lamplighters or um a, a window dressers he'll say he'll say that you know they got in here faster than the window dressers did mm. meaning he means that they're thieves that come in at night through people's windows got it so they he just a lot of times they're speaking in these ways I've heard that word there. thieves can't in a variety of contexts but yeah, it's, re- just, it's a little bit like a like a code like a sort somewhere in between exactly Cockney rhyming slang and yes. like spy code and that's how he does it in here he uses it very much there so and and it's really neat because it's fun and it's not hard to it's not hard to understand sure like the the way he writes it it's that you know when we hear a new word he says a new word you're like oh i i know what he's he's saying there he calls him nose like he the main character starts out is what he calls a nose and they have their nose to to everything they 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 can find a guy and, and like they, they know things okay. where people are, you know, so they, they have their nose in everyone's business type thing. Um, well, that's like when you're watching a, a heist or a mobster movie and they have right. codes for things. It's like, yes, he's right. going to be a made man, you know, exactly. we're going to go to the mattresses, mm-hmm. um, that kind and of that's, thing. And that's, this that's book, cool. that book had a lot of that. And it, it, so it really got you enveloped in this world of thieves. And it's a fantasy book. So sure. it's like, it's like thieves in a big city type, yeah, huge yeah. city. Um and then it slowly introduces magic, but low key, like mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings level kind of magic. Okay, right, right. right. So it's very there's magic there, but what is it, right? And they have and they don't call it magical glimmer, 
Again, the, yeah. the thieves call it glimmer. Mm-hmm. It's magic, and everybody else calls it magic, but they call it glimmer. So they they um, uh, if you get a sword that has glimmer on it, it's like oh, that's a big deal. So like a plus one sword in that right, thing right. is a huge thing. So it slowly introduces it, which makes it really cool. It's all very grounded, and I enjoyed that book mm-hmm. a whole lot. And at the by the very end of the book, he's involved in some big magic. Um, that came out of kind of nowhere and you're like, Oh, it, it was very satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Um, so several years went by and they had a sequel and a book two called sworn and steel. Sure. And it takes off from that one. And there's only two and it's, they're, they're self-contained books, self, which mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. I don't have to wait for the next one. Um, so I'm finishing that one about three quarters of the way through that one, but it's not, it's a nice read that I can, you know, read like three or four things mm-hmm. the way it's because it's a TV thing. It's very much like, um, Got some swashbuckling, but mostly it's it's an investigation okay. type thing. You know, he's finding out things. And I just um, I started a new audiobook recommended me by uh, my buddy Sean, who we had on two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I'm too soon in that book to say whether whether I really like it or not. It's a um, the the setup of the first couple chapters is that. Earth is sort of accidentally invaded by aliens <laughs> and sort of subjugated, but then they get rescued by another alien race. And so it's like if you imagine, um, you know, the maybe not the Klingons, but like the Gorn or something accidentally finding Earth and taking over, and then the Vulcans show up and drive them off. And so now Earth is like, uh, the example he uses is Guadalcanal. It's like an island of natives that's in the middle of two important places, right. but it's not important to either either alien race. Right. Um, so I don't know yet whether I can recommend that like one, but that one. I just finished one of um, <clears throat> Brandon Sanderson's new books, which I read almost everything that he publishes. Right, but right. he's, to me, well-known for his world building and his magic systems. Mm-hmm. Um, this book has basically no magic. There's a little bit of something kind of like, not quite telepathy, but like a Vulcan, like mental, you know, te- telepathy kind of right. thing that comes out as the story goes. But it's mostly just technology it's sci-fi which is not something that i've i've seen him do so far like his stuff is all magic and so the humans are living in caves underground because there are aliens that come through and attack from space and the planet is called detritus because its upper atmosphere is just filled with layers of space debris okay um, to the point sense, where they they mostly can't see the stars. Okay. Every so often, the stuff like will move, Wally's and the, world, right? and, <laughs> yeah, and they'll get just a little glimpse of it. Um, but but that's it. And the protagonist is this um, young girl who wants to be a pilot, and it's just her. Like they give a little bit of her prologue, and there's complicated history with her dad that everybody mm-hmm. thinks he was a coward and he was a pilot. Right. And so she's has she's full of a lot of like bravado and stuff because she wants to prove herself. Okay. Um, and it's probably setting up to be 
at least a two book series because it okay. doesn't really conclude in the end. But but it's the it's the training part of a book. Like yeah. how many fantasy series do the you whole? Start. I mean, I read right. a I read a series like a three part series where the first book was all him going to whatever their school was. And I don't think there was magic. It was just like martial training and like um, survival kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was really, really good. And then the second and third books were like all of these inter-country politics no. stuff. Like it wasn't, it wasn't stuff, entertaining right. at all. Right. Um, but the Sanderson one is really good. Yeah. And if you're looking for something maybe to... To listen to in the car. The say that there's there's a difference between though listening to something in the car and reading a book. Like because mm-hmm. I I read I I like audiobooks a lot and I that would be my probably my preferred format to read. I'm using air quotes here sure. a book because um, I, I do I can get into it with a good you know mm-hmm. what, what are they called the the voiceover narrator narrator with a good narrator it's great it's yeah. it really can help and you can get just involved and I I have heard some really great ones but. There is something about like a book. Like I know the best thing that a book does for me, and now I know to Sydney, is it takes you away from electronics. I mean, it's sure. I mean, it's a physical thing that you can hold in your hand, and you have to like put your eyeballs into mm-hmm. it and follow along, and your whole mind is caught up in this thing right. for when our world is so multitasking. I'm constantly mm-hmm. doing multiple things in my head at one I, time. I used to read so much, and I. Still do. I mean, I've burned through these comic series recently, mm. which is still, I mean, you know, I'm reading on an iPad. But right. um, comics are a little bit different, though, because they have that you are still doing multiple things. You're reading and you're visually and you're checking at stuff, the, right? At the art, yeah. Um, my problem with books is that unless they're really, unless they really, really grab me, um, I can't stay focused. On Long it. enough. To, I mean, like you yeah. said, you're you're reading in short, you know, one yeah. or two chapters at a time, and yeah. that helps. But I'm like. Yeah, after, takes me forever to get after a chapter or two. Like I used to be able to just pour through books, but yeah. I'm like, oh, I could, you know, I'm reading it on an iPad, so I'm like, I could tab over and watch a show, or yeah. I could get back on my computer and play yeah. a game. Or... That, well, that, that's why I said having that, having I keep this one physical book in my mm-hmm. little uh, satchel, and I it makes me sit down. And I intentionally don't bring into the coffee. I have my phone in case of the thing, but I don't bring my iPad. Right. I don't think stuff like that. And I put my phone in the satchel and pull this thing out. And it's you know, it's really weird. I know we all have this now. Is that like you just take it out because, like I said, I could be doing something else. You could distract mm-hmm. or whatever. But when I have nothing else out and this is in front of me, it lets me just stay focused sure. for, for that. Now, granted, again, I'm only doing it for 20 minutes. I'm not doing it for like yeah. hours at a time. Um, and I think it is because I'm also in an environment where there's not a lot going on. There's not sure. TVs. There's not other electrical stuff. I, um, like I said last week, I spent the week at my sister's house with their dogs, and they don't have a fence mm-hmm. in their yard. They're, they want to put in an invisible fence, which is what my parents have. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, not really house it, but when I'm alone at my parents' place, I've done this a couple times when they go away for a week or a couple weeks, um, and I have to take care of the dogs. Um, the dogs at mom and dad's, you just let them out. You open the door, they go outside, you wait a couple minutes, right. and then you call them to come back inside. You might have to go find them if they, right. you know, found a chipmunk and scared it into right. a hole and they won't come because they're waiting <laughs> for it to come back out. Right. But um, my sister's dogs, I had to take out on a leash 
unleashes. And well, shit, they have three, uh, two English cream golden retrievers and one dachshund. Mm-hmm. The dachshund is like 15. So okay. she doesn't go very far. And so she can be out without a leash. Like okay. she'll go and come and she doesn't run after anything. Right. Um, where the others will like see or hear something and they'll pull on the leash <laughs> a little bit. But where I'm getting at with that is that while I was there, I found myself waking up earlier and getting tired earlier mm-hmm. than I normally do. And I wasn't doing anything. Right. I was exposed to a lot more sunlight than I normally get on the average day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big house, big ceilings, big oh, windows, yeah. even with the blinds down. Um, but going outside for just a couple minutes, like six, eight times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Every well, That, that invigorates be, you, right? Every, <laughs> every like three to four hours. Right. Or it was like, I'd wake up. They sleep in the master bedroom. The one sleeps in a crate. And I'd get them out. I'd take them outside right away. Then I'd feed them and take them out again like 20 minutes later. Um, and so it was just it was just a little more activity. And it was still right. like go outside and, you know, no nothing right. major. But just right. a, you know. Get going and moving, yeah. Just a different, uh, well, the, uh, different thing. The thing, every, every morning... It's almost without fail. Every morning, because I'm a late, I stay up late mm-hmm. in general. I I, uh, I get up in the morning and I'm like, today I'm going to bed early. <laughs> today I'm so tired that I'm just going to sleep and I'm going to take it easy and then come home and go to bed. And then as soon as I walk, because I, I, I always get sit going and we, we get going. And as soon as I get outside, that garage door comes down and the car goes out. I'm like, wide awake. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm like the re- yeah. all that is gone, and I'm just go the, for the rest of the you time. You get the second wind thing where I'm like exhausted, possibly could go to sleep at like ten thirty. Yeah, all right. And then around one a.m., there's like a second wind. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, always. Um, yeah, I get yeah, exhausted. I I would say on like every other morning, I wake up intending to spend my next evening differently. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that that I did last yeah. night again. I, I am not going to just do things and stay up late and play I'm not games. Gonna, or... I'm not going to watch an hour and a half of TV <laughs> on my iPad right before falling yeah. asleep. Recently, it's for me, it's been, um, I am not going to get on Star Wars, Night's uh, mm-hmm. Seal Republic, mm-hmm. and play that. I'm not going to do that because I know that I'll, or Satisfactory. That's yeah. that's actually my mm. my sin. I, thankfully, I've beaten that game where I feel like I've beaten it. You've done so everything. I've done can. everything everything that you can do as best you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, but it was always like, no, I can just play like, I just tweak a little building, right? And then it's three hours later. And then I'm like, I'm not going to do that tonight. Screw that game. I'm going to wait till the weekend. Sure enough, it's 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I can get in for another one little building. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it's three. That's so, yeah, okay. So, I, I did I did that. Um, and I have been playing, like I just mentioned, some Knights of the Old Republic and some Guild Wars 2 uh, occasionally here and there. Um, I... Sid has been, um, I've been watching Sid play through some Marvel Lego stuff, mm. and um, she usually plays a lot of those um, deep in thought kind of very artistic games. Uh, I'm trying to think of which one. Uh, she tried to play The Witness. That's not what I'm, what I'm thinking about. Like, Flower is one, an older old one. Flower, yeah. Flower is one, mm-hmm. like th- those kind of games that they minimal UIs. Mm-hmm. Um there's several like that I can't think of that she plays. Yeah. She plays them all the way. One of the most recent is called the like Resurrection of Edith or some kind of thing. 
oh. or Edith Finch or some kind of thing. I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah, and it's yeah. again, it's minimal UIs, and she just plays through. It's a very story-driven, artisticy stuff. Uh, she's also played the one where, um, like the black black swan or something, where you take just a pa black paintbrush and ink and stuff on on the stuff. Very simple stuff, mm -hmm. and she's really good at them and plays through them all. Like she binge watches them. So, right. so those are, but those are fun. And I'm not a guy, I'm not a switch, switch kid. So I can't like watch people play very much, but man, I'll watch her play those. Twitch. Did I say switch kid? You said switch. I was like Twitch kid. Mm -hmm. Twitch kid. I'm not a Twitch kid where I, where I can watch uh, people play a lot. Um, but I can watch her play these things because it's, it's, like I said, it's a story. Right. Um, you're, you don't get stuck up in menus and stats. And I had, you know. a, I had a good time playing um, Mario Odyssey with my sister mm -hmm. before I got my own Switch. Um, the, what, 10 years ago when Mario Galaxy came out, we could call girlfriend mode and it not be offensive or problematic. The, right. like... Second player that's not oh yeah really yeah playing. yeah Mario Galaxy like had the a hat or something like that yeah, yeah Mario Galaxy had a second player whose only job was to point the Wii remote at Star Sparkles or something to collect them <laughs> like they're not playing right um and Mario Odyssey the second player controls the hat right. and you can put the hat on stuff and do things with it yeah. um and so you're not just pointing at stars. Yeah. But you're not a second character. Right. But you are helping. Yeah. You know, you're like a like a henchman in a yeah. in a whatever. It's like you can play without it, but um and so it was fun because you know, like she's trying to do something to figure out some puzzle and I'm just like, "Well, let me check this bush over here, see if there's a heart chart or whatever you're collecting in that game." Yeah. Um over there and that was kind of fun. I, I have also been, I also, I can't remember if we talked about this. I watched The Dark Crystal. Mm. Like that, because there's the new Netflix the new series. One. So you watched the I watched old the one? I the old one. I never saw that. Yeah. I, I feel like I tried to once and I was like, this is too weird. I, I think it was the same thing too. I think most people had that same kind of experience. Um, it's it, it's very much in the Labyrinth kind of type thing. When I watched The Labyrinth, I watched halfway through. And we then, had the computer game. Did you ever no, see or play that? It was one of those like. Imagine a graphical computer game made in the early 80s. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, and so it was like a little guy you could Just run right up and down like in a sort of isomorphic display, but it was all like blocks. Weird. Um, well, the, like so, an Atari game. So I, I we, we were, it was uh, my girlfriend Shelly and her daughter and Sydney and me all sat down. We were going to start. We figured we'd watch the new series together, uh, but we'd watch with start with the movie. Which actually now I have read is probably a bad idea. I see. Because I guess the series is a prequel. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, which is ugh, terrible. I mean, just, Why do people do that? I don't even know. I mean, if you've got a story to tell that has nothing to do with the story before, sure. Sure. But like this one, and I, for listeners who probably love the whole series, I've not watched it. I don't mm -hmm. haven't even read much about it. But the way I understand it is that Spoilers for a 40-year-old movie. Uh, in The Dark Crystal, the, the Skeksis, these, they're bad guys. The yeah. bad guys um, have a prophecy that there are these other races, the Muppets. Right. And, and they are supposed to come together on this certain day and cause this crystal to kill all the bad guys. Okay? Okay. It's a prophecy. It's just a thing, sure. right? So they go and they kill all, all that race of Muppets. 
and then only like two survive. Except for and yeah, yeah except the two heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And the two heroes come at the end of that movie and kill all the bad guys. Okay, right? That's the movie, right? Well, this sure. prequel is like where all the Muppets. They're all the Muppets are alive, and the bad guys are coming to kill all the Muppets. So mm-hmm. it's a prequel. They're all gonna die. Yeah, like you know the ending, and it's called like Dark Crystal: The Resistance. So it's like <laughs> them fighting to against the Skeksis. And you're like. Well, None of the guys you're going to... know gonna... how the story ends. It's yeah. weird. It's like... You know how it ends. Sometimes that can really work. Like, Rogue One was great. It was great. Right. And they uh, all died, and it was okay. Right. Uh, Solo... It was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like it. They're like, you're answering questions nobody was asking. Nobody was asking. Sure. Um, kind of thing. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so I, I don't... I don't know. So we watched the movie, and it's kind of like, do... Also, the weird thing is, is that... The series is filmed like the old one to stay true to the source material, and sure. it's all Muppets and live-action Muppets, and they got a lot of CGI on it, Yeah, but it's most of the scenes, I guess, are, are Muppets. And our buddy Trotsky said he's been kind of watching it, and he says he's unnerved because it does feel like he's watching a Muppets show. Mm-hmm. But he likes it, but he just kind of doesn't want to think about it. Okay. So, so I don't know how I feel about that either, especially watching it with two kids. I'm like, is this something that... Maybe nostalgic for people who liked it back in the day, mm-hmm. but I don't know how it's going to be. So anyway, there's been no, in our family, like, push to watch the rest of them. I see. They're not like, let's get in there and do that. I've seen that on my Netflix thing. I'm also looking at um, Carnival Row. I have heard mixed on that. Yeah. I watched the trailer. and Our buddy I was Chris like, watched that. I was like, this seems like a thing that I That's can amazing, watch right? with Sarah and Andrew. Yeah. And so I shouldn't start it on my own, but Mindhunter, which is much more yeah. like cerebral and has some just casual nudity and stuff in it. I'm yeah. like, this is okay to see. Our, our buddy Chris told me last Tuesday that he's watching it. He said that it's not good. His words were, he says, okay. he says that it's like they had a great director and um, CG team, I guess. Sure. But they had terrible writers and a terrible story. Mm. So it's like the story is bland. The characters are written terribly. That's they don't hard do anything. Because the, based on the trailer, the visuals look amazing. It does. And he says, that's why he's still watching it. He's yeah. like, I like everything that it's there. He says, but none of the story is interesting. None of the characters are interesting. None of the things. He's like, I'm just watching it because... That was a little bit a little like bit when um, my dad and I watched Shannara Chronicles. Yeah, that's which right. Which is like, that was like, this is a, you filled this cast with people who are like, they're they're too attractive to be on the CW. Yeah, it's the MTV show. And then, right? yeah. yeah, it's MTV. And then the first season was okay. It was just like this journey to save the sacred tree. Mm-hmm. But like the premise is interesting. It's like a um, what's the game with uh, Aloy? Um, Sounds familiar. But... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's the the futuristic Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, um, it's fantasy in the future right the the apocalypse happened and then like some radiation caused some people to evolve into what are sort of like trolls and then some other people into that's 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 cool yeah um but like the details of the story like devolved into this like love triangles and cw kind of stuff well speaking of um, Muppets and CG and, and things that are vaguely unsettling. Let's, <laughs> let's take a minute and talk about some trailer trash. In a world 
So we've got a couple, not too many. There are yeah. actually a lot, so we might watch some of those in the next week and, and come back to that. But we'll start with the most unsettling, uh, the musical Cats. Oh, man, that is the unsettling. Man, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, are you familiar with this musical? You know, I did not. I've not watched it. Okay. Everyone has just listened to that one song. Memories. Memories. And and I've listened to that song and, and sang it in a, a audition but, or something. Okay. Right. Um, I have seen and been, I used to do theater stuff, so I've seen a lot of musicals. Um, you know, I really enjoyed Greatest Showman. Yep. Yeah. Um, when I saw it again more recently, I really enjoyed uh, the new Les Mis. Mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Les Mis. Yeah. But I've never seen Cats. Um, it's, you know, it's sort of the musical for furries. Nothing, yeah. Right. Nothing against furries. Right. It's a yeah. thing that people are into people and, like, right, yeah. and you do you. You're right. Um, but I watched this trailer and I'm like, okay, I get, I get it. I get yeah. why people are unsettled yeah. by this. It, it is super uncanny valley. I mean, it is. And so, you know, some people are saying like they should have just made cats that were <clears throat> sort of anthropomorphized like not to the extent that they are but like an old disney like the aristocats yeah. all right, that right. Movie. like they were cats but they walked around but like, they walked around and stuff this is like i mean it's like furries is what if, it is. if you see the trailer it's like what people know um here's the here's the justification that i gave when i was talking to my siblings about it um the 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 explanation justification that made me understand and appreciate Les Mis when I saw it in the theater I was like Russell Crowe can't sing well enough for what he's doing right um but when we watched it again I realized that the director whose name I'm not going to remember now we on Les Mis yeah, yeah it's the same guy yeah doing Cats um I think I hope that's right um wanted to make a movie that felt as raw as actors on a stage. Okay. Or if the characters are singing, wanted it to seem like the actor, and they probably were like the actors were actually singing in that situation. Like it's weird for characters to break into song. And I think that's the whole conceit of a musical. Um, But the actors were always singing. And so it felt more genuine and more, raw and truer to the original musical compared not necessarily to the book um and so if i take that mindset that thinking ideology and apply it to cats well cats the musical originally is people in cat suits suits, right right. with tails and and ears and stuff and so if you're going to take modern filmmaking technology you say, yeah, we're going to do that, except now their tails can move, move around. And, yeah. and we can have actors who are not... It's like fur. It looks like real fur. It looks fur. like real fur. Right. And you can have actors who are not young and spry enough to play these cats. You can get Judy right. Dench and Idris Elba and... Yeah. Um, not that Idris Elba is Idris that Elba old, is but, right. Um, Gandalf. Yeah, Ian, Ian McCallan. Yeah. Um, and so I see where that... Where, where that works. And I think for all the people 
what did they say? They said this on Geek Scholars. Like, up until it was surpassed by, I want to say, Hamilton, it was... Cats? Yeah, it was like the longest running, highest gross... Oh, maybe Wicked. Um, It was... It held the record right. for Broadway musicals for decades. Right. Or a couple decades. Right. Um, I think it just got passed by. So, I don't know. Like, I think it's unsettling and weird, but I feel like Cats in general was probably unsettling and weird yeah. to a large percentage of the population. I, so. I th- here's the thing is that I, and I have not seen it, so this is completely like my other judgment, is that on secondhand news, is that, is that, uh, not that great anyway. Like, right. but by the the general stuff is that Cats is not that great, and it just has the one song that everyone else. And I and I, the way I'm told is that they bust out on the song, and it has nothing to do with the scene or anything at all mm. with what's happening in, in the movie at all. Well, this is another thing I learned from uh, Geek Scholars Movie News. Um, all of the writing and the songs is all based on a series of poems, uh, T. S. Oh, yeah. Eliot poem about these. Cats trying to get to what's basically cat heaven, but they have a different word for it. Like, the whole premise is so strange. I'm like, what did you expect this was going to be? Oh, and I also read that Andrew Lloyd Webber, like, the big thing about Memories is that he had written that for another thing. For a different show. Yeah, yeah. and then he just like, I need a big killer one for this Mm -hmm. one. And he brought it in, and he plunked it into there. That They sing, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's a great big song. And that's the one it's known for. Which has nothing to do with the musical. So, I don't know. I mean, Cats was a long-running show on Broadway. And it makes right. me wonder that the only reason it has any kind of say is because it was there forever. Yeah. And everyone saw it right. at, like 14 times because it was always there. You always yeah. had a chance to see it. When you go to New York and you go to Broadway, sometimes it's always like, man, all these shows are $150 minimum like mm. for, the, for, the, for the Chiefs. Seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's not like you can always go. Right. And you really want to go see Harry Potter. But it's it's you know it's three hundred dollars for a date. Uh, like I do it once, and then like oh I missed it. Harry Potter's gone, right? Right. But Cats was there, always there. You always had the <laughs> opportunity to do it, and then you could maybe even do it twice. Okay. And it wasn't one hundred and fifty dollars. It was maybe seventy five dollars. Older. Yeah. yeah. So so that's what what it is, is that everybody saw Cats and they Got just it. knew it. Um, so anyway, that's that's what I've heard about it. So I don't know the the trailer didn't do me any kind of like it just felt weird did you see the trailer for the live action mulan i think i saw it in the theater yeah okay but i also had a kid crawling on me at the time so so you don't have any and i really i mean it didn't seem funny yeah it didn't and like eddie murphy was that was before donkey yeah i i see i thought that i never i thought mulan was just okay anyway mm -hmm. eddie murphy was the best part about that movie yeah that's what our our buddy pete says Name a song from Mulan that's not the training montage song. Yeah, uh, right. Be a man. Be a man. Like, right. no, you can't. No, and um, and but you know Mushu, like right. You know Mushu. He was great. Dishonor on you. Yeah. Dishonor on your, your whole pal. family. Yeah, yeah. The whole family. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we we don't have much to say about no. that. But yeah, so maybe they need to release another one. They need to do something with that to like, make it. Better. We haven't seen that character. Maybe. They don't want to reveal. I, I will they say got th- Donald Glover or something. Right. <laughs> I will say this though that um, I think it might be Disney's strategy going forward that they put all those kind of remakes on the Disney Plus, Plus. thing. Uh, the, some of the movies were already well into production. What like it takes yeah. five years total from beginning to end to get stuff done. Um, 
they two years after they start filming, right? Right. Uh, so some of these things have already been in the pipeline before Disney Plus was an actual solid thing, but now they're going to be like, okay, you know, stop making these movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I take that back because now Lion King made bank roll at the thing. Maybe yeah, they'll, they'll continue to do it. But um, anyway, um, so we've also got um, a second Rise of Skywalker trailer. Cool. I mean, do, it's do you Ray. think Ray is going to go no. Sith? No, no, no. I mean, no. That, that's a that's they're trolling a, us. Well, they're not trolling us. That's that's an easy one because she's she's very like she looks all Sithy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a uh, what do we know about J.J. Uh, Abrams with the first movie? He just redid the other stuff. What's in right? the box? What's in the box? Right. He's doing he's doing the same thing he did with the first one, which is like uh, what was big things that was important about the first series. One of them was in Empire Strikes Back. Luke goes to one of the dark places and he sees Darth Vader. Right. And it's a mirror version of Darth right. Vader. It's like he's facing his own fears. So everybody knows that's what that is. That, that's her. She's going to go and face being a dark person. I mean, person. They, they did that or tried to do that in The Last Jedi, right? Like, Luke was afraid yeah. of her power. But it starts to feel more and more that J.J. Abrams is kind of like, man, Ryan just Johnson just messed up. And I'm gonna. He missed like missed opportunities. You had a chance yeah. to do Empire Strikes Back, buddy, I mean, and you missed. I it. will say the like some of the most compelling stuff in Last Jedi, and we bash on that movie a lot. But mm-hmm. I liked the potential. This is one of you know I'm gonna give it a compliment, but it's a thing that disappointed <laughs> me because they did nothing with it. The interactions between Rey and Kylo were great. Yeah, like you get this sense of like she's met Luke. You know, she's met her quote-unquote hero or at least our hero and you know he's kind of a grouchy old man and so she's having doubts about her leadership and he's interacting with her and he has this stuff with snoke and the other you know um imperial first order leadership and he's having doubts about them and they're both like sort of coming to a little bit of common ground understanding and they fight side by side and then Nothing comes of that, which is the disappointing part. But all of the lead up to that was like, this is interesting. Yeah. Like one very slow ship chasing another really slow ship (laughs) or like the side characters busting through a casino to like, you know, the real evil people are the capitalists. It's not interesting. It's not interesting. Anyway. But, but the, the, he, he, it'll be interesting to see. I think that he's, he's being okay with ignoring some of the things or, or not not ignoring i don't think he's gonna like retcon things right. i think what he's gonna do is he's gonna be like let's just for, like for Did example you, you can see that kylo ren has his mask back yeah. and that's the one of the very first thing in last jedi that ryan johnson made an intentional thing to do is he busted his Destroy mask, the mask. And, and, he, and he's no longer because ryan johnson hated the mask mm. he's like it looked up and then he changed the scar he's like so ryan johnson had no kind of care about what he what what um came before him he just made his own movie, and I think that J.J. is like, I was making a movie here. You didn't finish it like you were supposed to. I'm going to do that. Now, do you think that's good? No, J.J. is not known for finishing things. Right. So that's a, that's a... You know, we're on best thing. friend, first terms, first right, name terms. Right, right, J.J. Right. J.J. Yeah, he, he's not known. So you've said it before. You've said, like, let's see if we can actually do oh, it. Oh, I but. sent you this message when I was watching this trailer. The music in this trailer, this second trailer... It doesn't sound like John Williams music. It sounds like it sounds like the music from Abrams' Star Trek movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you did say that. Which yeah. was good stuff too, right? Yeah. You're like, 
Captain, there's another ship. Oh yeah, and they like right. show up and just yeah, blast guns blazing. Kind of I, you know, at some point he's got to transition out. The guy's not gonna live forever. Uh, right, and these movies will be made forever. I mean, they won't be the Skywalker ones, but there'll be other ones. Some other ones. So, yeah. so you know, I never want to see a Star Wars without him, but it just, will happen. They can just keep using the two moons yeah. theme. And yeah, and he, and he, you know what? He Luke they have Maya. other great composers too. Like they've got sure. some amazing composers out there in the world, um, and and they will do they will do great, and they have done great in some of other Star Wars things. I think Rogue One was not John Williams, but I'm not sure. Um, and know. yeah, right. So so anyway, yeah, maybe if it's time, maybe they're giving like a couple pieces to like different composers. In sure. There. Uh, so yeah. another Our superhero one though yeah. was uh, the Joker. Joker. You see that one? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's Joker. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it is Joker. It is, but I mean, it's like not what we've seen at all in any kind of movie Joker ever. I mean, we've Ledger. seen different. Like Heath Ledger had no origin. Right? Like None of us. Whole... No one has ever done the Joker origin. Origin. And well, no. Jack Nicholson kind of. I'm sure it's some like yeah, he falls in. He a, did. He falls in the, in the pit. Yeah. Like part of Heath Ledger's menace was that he kept telling this story, and it was a different story every time. Yeah. In the comic books, he's that's one part of the menace too. He doesn't. He doesn't have a past. He, right. They intentionally don't tell a past of the Joker for this reason. And now here we are. We're. we're it's a little a very bit, bit like, like they made Venom, and that was. Not terrible. Yeah, right. And so, like, what do you call a movie that's just about a villain? And then it has no Batman in it. They've said no no Batman in it whatsoever. I mean, Tom Hardy and and Venom were not, or what's his name? Tom Hardy. No, the character. uh, Uh, Eddie Brock? Brock. Yeah. Um, You know, was kind of a, was he? Just like an anti-hero, yeah, anti-hero kind of thing, yeah. And I mean, he wasn't, but Venom was. Venom was. Right. Um, Eddie Brock Venom was a villain, villain, villain. And yeah. like Deadpool proved that an anti-hero movie can do really yeah. well, but so did kind of the Punisher issue. Like the closest Joker ever gets to being an anti-hero is that he won't kill Batman. Right. Like he always wants to be in this game. Right. With Batman, like. I, I, He's I never out for anything other than just chaos. It's the best that this can do, though. The problem it's going to have with this, I just thought as, as we're talking, was that um, if it's great and you finally have this feeling of who this character is mm-hmm. and he's so amazing that you're like, oh, my God, you're going to want to watch a Batman movie with him. Right. Like, that's your next thing. You're going to be like, oh, my God, let's let's do the next thing. Right. And Joaquin Phoenix is not going to do that. I mean, he is, he, you know, that dude is an actor that's like a method actor. Of, yeah, you know, he's an art. I mean, we saw an artist him do of her yeah. last year. Right. He just does his thing that he feels he has to do. Yeah. And he talked heavily about, like, I'm not doing a superhero movie unless it has a new story to tell. And he had a big thing about this one hmm. and took a chance. And I'll say. Because we don't have, I think, um, Ben Affleck has walked from the way I understand it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. DCU. Yeah. No, we have a new Batman. Is this? It's the guy. From this the, has got to be a Warner Brothers movie, right? It is Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's. Um, I hope you. I hope you knew this and you just forgot. Mm. It's the, the Twilight, the Sparkle, like diamonds guy. It's Robert Pattinson's the new bad guy, new Batman. I mean. Yes. 
I feel like I heard that. Just, <laughs> you thought it was a dr- nightmare or something? Didn't want it to be true. <laughs> it's very true. Like, like that's a bad dream. That I is had. Um, <laughs> that is insane. Which yeah, I wow, right? WB, it's WB, it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean DC. It's, of course they would do who, that. Who even knows? That, that, that they're like, hey, we got a dude bro that made tons of money. Let's get this guy in here. All the heartthrobs will. So anyway, that 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 was. Pretty terrible. I, the the I Joker, I think, would be pretty cool. Else, so it won an award. It won like uh, an Italian Venice award film for festival. Yeah, film festival. Mm-hmm. We're like one of the oldest ones in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for it. It it's great. But I mean, the question is, is how, how you know how many people watch superhero movies? Want to go watch you know fun, lighthearted, and big explosions things? And this one's not going to have any of that. It's gonna, right. I guess it's more kind of in the Nolan is feeling right sure no one had a very thing sort it, of um yeah i don't know like a thinking thinking man yeah which which really no one in the ledger was that was a thing yeah, it was really it good. was a thinking thing so it could do it yeah I, it i'm cautiously optimistic as we do yeah i feel like it has a little bit of the same problem solo had where this is a question nobody was asked yeah well speaking of of of, of um People who go off in left field and decide that they're just as good at making Marvel movies. Um, so uh, Sony has come out, and, or yeah, Sony has come out and said that recently they're like, "Hey, they put a statement and said, hey, we're just as good at making our world and our movies <laughs> as Kevin Feige and the world is with Tom Holland.'" And we did this talk a little a, bit about Spider-Man. This is a this is a complicated uh, news story, and I don't I don't have a lot of the details. They talked about it on Geek Scholars, yeah, and there are numbers. Because, like, I talked to Andrew, and he, like, I don't know. I think his friends tell him things, and he believes (laughs) believes them, even though it's just hearsay. Like, it's, you know, we're back in the early 80s, and there's no internet. um, And you just believe whatever anybody tells you. (laughs) Um, But it's something like, like, Disney was putting up 5% of the cost and getting 5% of the revenue. Yeah. Even though... It was a small amount. Like... The success of those Spider-Man movies was 100. percent Yeah, the success of the MCU. It was, and yeah. Kevin Feige and Tom Holland, and it was, so, it was. By so the way, Disney came to them and gave them some other number that some people say is 50-50. I've also heard like Disney just wanted 30 percent, and it's yeah. like they're going to put up 30 percent of the production costs mm-hmm. and then get 30 percent of the revenue back. And right. Sony was like, "Nah, we'll do it ourselves." And then yeah. the internet backlash was so massive to both sides that they're right. like well maybe we can renegotiate this yeah and but uh, it's, it's the thing is it's coming there's there's a deadline on stuff because they start filming and mm-hmm. on their on their next movie and they've got a timeline when that has to start and again that can always change but right. the, the real the real big thing was without going into that whole Sorry. topic no 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 is is that uh they like dc and warner brothers tries to not do the marvel formula I mean, we know that things that work, like let's tell small individual stories, mm-hmm. then come together in a big thing, and, a te- and then have these team-up movies every once in a great while. Warner Brothers doesn't seem to know what works. Right, but all you have to do is see something very similar that anyone else can see, and they just like, I don't know. And yeah. Sony does the same thing with Spider-Man, right? It's like there's some simple, straightforward things that everyone screams at the heavens of how you do a Spider-Man. And Kevin Feige gets it, and he's like, yeah, let's just do the thing that makes Spider-Man Spider-Man, and we make it, and makes great movies. Right. Um, and But Sony has never been able to really do that very well, 
And now mm. they're insisting they're so happy with Venom. That's a whole topic. We might have to come back. To yeah, but they're so happy with they're so happy with Venom, and they're making the Morbius movie, and they want to make they've wanted so bad to do a Sinister Six movie. So the thing is, is that it's terrifying that they're gonna like not terrifying because it's what it, it is what it is. But uh, you have a good opportunity to have a great character and a great story and a great universe, and they're just gonna take it and make Tom Holland's. Was it was it you who said movie. recently that you rewatched the Tobey Maguire films? Yeah, I watched them a ton. Um, two is pretty good. I like. I have a right. I have a reckon that the first two of those are better than people remember. I think so. Um, the first one was pretty good. I mean, they're there. products everybody of their time. But... Everybody always says uh, when they say those things. When you talk back and they talk about Mary Jane, uh, sure. played by Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst, and they all complain about her, which is valid. She sure. she was very kind of annoying. But yeah. take her out of that. It's a good, it's a good one all around. Tobey Maguire did a good job. Third one's terrible. And but. I've heard somebody say, I don't remember what context this was in, but that there's very little of like Spider-Man in the MCU Spider-Man things. Like there's like, and I don't know, I'm not a, I read comics now, but I'm not mm-hmm. an old school. But like, what is Spider-Man? Like he's swinging around and he's making jokes and yeah. he's having. Um, you know, his stakes are high because he has trouble at school and yeah. and and all of that kind of stuff. Where Homecoming and Far From Home were Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. I mean, we yeah. talked about that when we talked about Far From Home. Yeah. Um, like them sort of replacing Uncle Ben with, with uh, Tony. Tony Stark yeah. um, and that kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, maybe there's some... There's something there with that, but I don't know. Like, if they still use Tom Holland, like they can't ignore all the story. Well, it's not just about the story with Spider-Man. The thing is that what I kind of had said here is that Fox put their statement saying they said the words like making their own Spider-Verse. They're making mm-hmm. their own, and like they're literally t- taking this Marvel character that Marvel built up and saying, okay, we're going to throw them with our other shows. With his Venom. The Venom's their big, their baby. Okay, They're like, look, yeah, we yeah. did Venom and we were amazing. Which, Venom was just okay. Or, Sony's still making the X-Men movies, right? No, no. That was Fox and that's going to be Marvel. Oh, you're right, right, right. It's right. Fox. No, they, they just own, again, Morbius, which nobody knows. No, I don't know. Uh, he's is. a living vampire. He's a vampire. So. Oh, not a brain in a jar? No. No. <laughs> he's just, is that, who am I thinking of? No, there's, that's an X-Men, I think. Oh, okay, I don't but anyway, yeah, he's he's like a E-list character, yeah. right? And they're making a movie because because they got so happy that Venom made such good. They're like, we're geniuses. We can do it with any character, <laughs> and and now we're gonna make it, we're gonna take Tom Holland and make this the thing. So anyway, it's just like it's just disappointing that that other people in these it was a lack of potential. When yeah. you're like, you have a great thing that you could make lots of money. I like to spend, I'll throw money, more Spider-Man stuff, and you could use Sony. You can ride the Disney wave with this yeah. uh, MCU stuff, phase just four. Just do it, and, and I'll throw money at you. It's totally fine. Yeah. But they just don't want to because of ego or whatever. Who but. knows what they, what they have. Planned. All right. Well, before we run out of time here, yeah. we should talk about our Super Challenge. You mean our 2020 challenge? Yeah. I know. We still, we, you know what? It's been like same. eight there's, months there's now. There's no official still, title for it. Right. It is official title for it. It's a 2020 challenge, right? Um, and we are still going to finish in 2020. We're, we're so doing well. So we are talking about Steven Spielberg's 1993 original dinosaur movie, 
Jurassic Park. This was out uh, my junior year in high school. So this was okay. this was great. It's like my formative years when I'm coming into being my own. I would have been 12. And the one uh, quip I have about this is my I've said before that I don't have any older siblings. And I have one cousin who's like two, three years older than me. Um, when we watched this movie, we definitely didn't see it in the theater. But somebody had rented it or whatever. Um, she asked me if I believe in dinosaurs. <laughs> That was a question somebody <laughs> would ask somebody in 1993 or four. You believe um, in dinosaurs, right? Um, <laughs> you believe in global warming, isn't it? And <laughs> so, uh, I don't have a ton to say about this movie. I, without getting into as we always say, the right details, <laughs> um, I was sort of half watching this movie because I've seen it several times. I was very, very focused in the first act, and then when it got to the end, with just all the action and stuff i was not following it because i wasn't always watching the screen i was you know it's one of the problems of watching shows you've seen a hundred times yeah yeah. sort of half half multitask or whatever i did watch a very interesting video today um comparing the framing and the and the visual storytelling of this movie compared to um fallen kingdom okay the new jurassic world Mm -hmm. and how the aspect ratios are slightly different you have your standard um, what they call cinemascope ratio that's very wide and short. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just a little bit taller. It's okay. more like a standard widescreen. And so you can see the full height of a dinosaur mm. in the frame in a certain way. And he talks about how they um, shoot the people and the dinosaurs in the same scene. And this comes across... Um, it's, of course wildly enhanced by uh more masterpiece uh composing by mm-hmm. by John Williams and um you know they do this like the the main score starts and they're just in a helicopter and the helicopter is right. landing and I'm like the music is so epic for what's for happening just right now exactly. and I watch this video and it's like you know they're doing it's a wide shot and the helicopter's coming slowly down so they're trying to build on the idea that like this is a big island. This is yeah. a King Kong kind of... They even say right. what's in there, King Kong, because they got these giant gates. Right. Welcome to Jurassic Park. You know, that that music right there <clears throat> is a really good point because you, you do have... I, that's one of the biggest like musical scenes is when it was just the helicopters landing. And it's it's building the anticipation. Right. So it's not very long after that. That's when they first you first hear the thing. Exactly. Like, this is when you go to the, all the parks and stuff. That's the theme, right? And you're like, "Where's the helicopter landing?" Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. Like I can't put myself back in being 12 or 13 seeing this for the first time. But I, it's been long enough that I don't remember when what has happened. Like we've seen a dinosaur, but just in the like a guy getting eaten in the beginning, mm-hmm. and we've. At least for me, we've already sort of forgotten that because we're being introduced to Sam Neill. And I've talked yeah. about this um, before. This is a thing I heard on a, a book about storytelling, screenwriting. Um, Steven Spielberg doesn't always do this, but he often will tell a human story in a fantastic setting right. or in a, you know, I guess fantastic setting is an okay way to say that. This is a story about. Well, there's a lot going on here right. in terms of like, um, but it's a kid. The doctor's uh, um, 
John Hammond's yeah. hubris, right? Um, and man playing God and all this kind of stuff. But the human story is about Sam Neill not right. liking kids, right? And his girlfriend, fiance, she likes kids, and that's a, right. a point of contention from when these and characters are forced to spend. Time they with even them. have that conversation, and then he goes through this trauma with these kids, and uh, you know they spend the night in the tree, mm-hmm. and oh, before I. We get that before I get too much into this, I I didn't bring my actual goblin. Oh, we got some spoilers happening. Um, I mean, this yeah. is a twenty five year old movie, <laughs> right? So, if you haven't seen it, it's um, it sort of transitions into a horror movie in the third act. But sure, before you get into any of that, they come to the island, and I think you there's been just enough dialogue to sort of tell you what's going on. I think actually, I actually think there was a lot of dialogue because I was thinking at the beginning, they do a really good job of talking heads of telling you what, what the world is like. They, uh, well, they do the Sam Neill talks about like why dinosaur, he does the, the claw with the kid where he's talking he about, talks about how they hunt and they there's hunt. a lot of that. And like, the birds, they're birds they're and like birds. Right. They, and they move in flocks, right. and, and, he, and some they of explain, that Chekhov's gun kind of Well, they explain a whole... The most important thing about that they do is, with a whole lot of words, is they tell you about a, a new dinosaur that no one's really heard about until that movie, right. which is the raptors. Yeah. Like, they awesome. were not a thing right. until then, and now... So, this now they this first third of the movie, they're telling you about all this new dinosaur, right. and all the dinosaur, and you're telling them about the... You learned about Dr. Hammond. You learned about the kids. There's just a lot of talking mm-hmm. that happens in and, a really good way because the acting is well. And, and then you get to this sequence, um, and this, it's sort of convenient that I've talked about putting myself in the minds of, of characters because we go through this thing. Like, they're flying up to the island. The music's starting. The helicopter's landing. And I'm like, this is really dramatic music for mm-hmm. what we're seeing on screen, which right. is pretty mundane. But it's building anticipation. Right. right, because they get in the jeep and they're going, and you know she's looking at the leaf because she's a paleobotanist, and there's it's a species of tree that's gone yeah, which extinct. Is, which is my scene that I remember most of Jurassic Park. Um, and they drive up, and the it's not the the music. You just it's the um, um, oh yeah yeah that one's yeah it's like exciting and it's adventure. Like, it's this and, like wonder it's like stirring yeah very emotional and they like slowly you see the frame and the scene and the jeep is really small and they're the di- and they're these you know brachiosaurs whatever that like oh elf, the big brontosaurus, elf, brontosaurus comes brontosaurus up on the thing yeah and the ground like, shakes and yeah it's, it's this like variety of things i got just a little bit teared up because right. i'm like i'm like okay first of all this for being a 25 year old movie looks amazing it looks great right like like I know that it's all fake, right. but I'm like they were still doing animatronics and stuff oh, yeah. with the CG, and then on top of that, you see it's a case where I that's why I said it was convenient about seeing the characters. Like I know that Sam Neill is playing a character mm-hmm. that somebody wrote, but in that moment with that music and those visuals, none of that is in my mind. All right. What I see is a guy who's devoted his whole life to studying something that's gone. Yeah. Seeing it alive. 
and he gets on his he has to get on his hands and he's like breathe to you all right <laughs> yeah like yeah it's, it's like, like it's like he's standing up in the jeep and taking his sunglasses off and he like grabs her head to, to turn right. like like Look, look at this thing, yeah. Look. And it's like he has the he does this a couple times later in the movie where he ha- he has these theories and these ideas like how does he know how right. velociraptors hunt? Like he has, you know, some theories and reckons and things that they've been able to put together from the fossil right. record, but like it's all, you know, you, not you, really stuff that they can study. Right. They definitely can't study it in action. No, you you, you see that scene where you're talking about how how like amazing he is and and how real it looks right how mm-hmm. good it looks that scene when the brontosaurus rears back on its top legs and then comes slamming down and they have like sam neil standing in the frame right mm-hmm. in front of him and he's looked like he's reacting to this huge mm-hmm. thing and it's like it looks very real like yeah. it just however he got directed in the shot that they did it with and i'm sure the cg people were like they just did it right like it, they were in the scene you never saw yeah. any like green screening or any kind of stuff it was just gorgeous well and later throughout the film he does things where like um the t-rex bumps into the upside down car mm-hmm. and that's animatronic yeah you can tell i mean you can almost tell that right away and the then and then he pulls back and you see the t-rex walking away that's cg right but you don't like i only know that because they talked about it in this youtube video like they're transitioning between the two styles of special effects through frames because you only see the T-Rex through the window of the car in that shot. So there are breaks in the scene. Like you see dinosaurs Mm -hmm. in shadow or through a window or a different window. Um, And that lets them separate the actors from the the green screen or the Mm -hmm. visual effects without seeing like awkward outlines and stuff. Like if you watch um, the Ewok movies. Oh yeah. Right. You know the 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 thing about it was kind of scary about this movie. I mean, because it's it's got kids in it for sure, mm-hmm. and I do remember it being feeling like it was not a kid kid movie, but a teenager movie ish yeah. or twelve and above kind of thing. Like, there's some hardcore terrifying scenes for yeah. kids. Like when they that Tyrannosaurus Rex is going after those kids, it goes hardcore after those kids. It's terrifying, and then yeah. the little kid like grabs the electric fence mm-hmm. and you're like they almost murder a kid right there <laughs> and then the kids are being Sam chased Neal's by the giving him cpr i know and you think yeah. he's gonna die mm-hmm. and then they do it again when like the velociraptors are chasing the kids mm-hmm. in the compound you're like this is not a fun non-nightmare inducing thing no you know if, it takes a it takes a turn into what else did i see did you see the movie the meg Hmm. Oh, no, I did not, but I've heard it was really good. That has a similar kind of thing where it starts like the first and maybe the first and second acts Mm -hmm. are just like ocean exploration with maybe a little bit of menace kind of Bioshock style Mm -hmm. where they're they're down in this underwater base and the shark is somewhere nearby and you see teeth marks and stuff Mm -hmm. to then like the shark is heading for a very populated beach Mm -hmm. and it's like. It's not quite like Jaws. It becomes more like, I guess that's a different transition because it becomes more like slapstick horror. Oh, than this where this like you get a little bit of foresh- <clears throat> foreshadowing before you're introduced to all the main characters, right. and then it's just like a little bit of comedy with some with a lot of big um, 
just um, spectacle and wonder right. for the first act, and then it takes this turn Dark into turn. like the storm comes and Newman drives away and leaves right. all the computers locked down, and he gets and, murdered like in a kind of a violent yeah, and, way, and, and he gets you know the in the car with the right. fog kind of yeah, kind of it, thing. it it gets it does it just and it comes into like a very scare scary really. I, I gotta say. We watch we watch a lot of movies and this stuff, and sure. there's a lot of great directors, world famous, massive award winners. We've seen so much Spielberg on this list, right? But and that's where I'm kind of leaving with this is that like we just watched Apocalypse Now, and it's Francis Ford Coppola, Coppola. who's one of like one of the legends of, of sure. film. And I watch that movie, and I'm like, eh, do I like this one? Do I not? Mm-hmm. Hasn't made me feel. I'm not sure. And I don't we, think it's a movie you're supposed to like. Right, right, right. Which is funny because that's the other side is. I'm really glad you said that because the other side is that when I watch a Spielberg movie, it makes me feel things. Yeah. It makes me like it. Right. With I a, like the things that I'm seeing. a couple of exceptions, I'm thinking about uh, Schindler's List. Oh, yeah, sure. Most Spielberg movies are movies you're supposed to But like. it still makes you feel something. Yeah. Like, it makes you feel something. And that's the most like, if you hear somebody criticize Spielberg, it's for a movie like... I mean, stuff on this list, like mm-hmm. Forrest Gump or Saving Private Ryan, where you're like, I don't say this, but other people say this. Um, it's too far. It just, mm-hmm. It's just big emotional... Like a Ready Player like, One type like stuff. Like feel-good yeah. emotional, um, emotional manipulation. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just real, like, peop- you know, we used to say sappy. Now yeah. people say saccharin, which yeah. is just sugar you know it's like there's nothing to it it's just or there is but it's just like oh it's so big and but but it gives you what you it's like brave heart or whatever which yeah right yeah so for most people for the majority of the population yeah right like it really works besides the people that don't want them like the good the fun things right so so this so to wrap this one up i i this is again classic spielberg because it makes you feel things it makes you feel all wonder terror happiness and there's a excitement there's this human story human stories of of yeah uh, i keep saying sam neill whatever his character's name is yeah right um like and laura dern's character growing and, as a person yeah and, 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 and uh, you you want to say like oh it's it's because it's got great actors which they're they're fine actors mm-hmm. but uh, by the way they're kids actors which is mm-hmm. already hard anyway yeah. but how many how many spielberg movies can you just say that are because of amazing actors i mean he does things to make the actors be in situations and you know make them feel wonder. And I'm sure yeah. he directs a lot. He's like, there's okay, a, here, a little bit of here that, you need uh, to be surprised. Of or, that chicken and egg thing. Like, did Spielberg make Tom Hanks or did Tom Hanks make Spielberg? Yeah. Like, who was the who was the uh, the the real talent in that? Well, if, if I've seen, both. I think it is both. It's totally both. But I, I think that uh, I've seen. I'll watch I don't know those weird guys that watch the the making of type stuff yeah. and stuff on that comes with the extras on the Blu-rays mm-hmm. and and like on Ready Player One things like that when he interacts with stuff he's so happy kind of like thing he's he's in in it in it to win it type stuff mm-hmm. um, and he when he he totally directs the actors. Like, he has mm-hmm. no fear to go up to an actor and be like, okay, here's what you're doing, and then this is what's happening. And he does right. it in such a way that it's not, like, um, condescending or whatever. It's like he stands next to them instead of in front of them. Mm. He doesn't talk at them. He talks with them. 
Yeah. So so everything he does on all those things when he's in a scene, he's like, okay, and then you're rolling and you get really happy mm-hmm. and make sure you're smiling really big because you really love this. And it's like the actors are kind of on board with him. Yeah. Right. And then it make it inspires them, and that's what makes every one of his movies. The actors are they don't have to be great. He makes them kind of helps right. elevate them. How did you like? Um... Very low key Samuel L. Jackson. I was just going to mention that. Scene. Yeah, I was like, it's one of those things Hold where on you're your like, butts. you're like, that's not, that's just another black guy that looks a lot like Samuel L. Jackson. No, no, I no. Look it up. I'm like, no, it's him. It's Sam. Yeah, he's a computer and then, wizard. And then he has more stuff later. And they do the like, they show the the screen with the code, and I'm like, that looks like actual code. And then later Lex hacks into it and she's like, it's a Unix system. I'm like, okay, that's a real thing. But then like she's hacking into like 3D virtual reality. Oh, I'm I think like, oh, that's oh, you went real. there. Let's watch the movie Hackers. Again. That's right. Yeah, the uh, he um, Samuel L. Jackson playing a, a nerd was was not, mm. but you know, a hacking computer nerd was kind of great. Yeah. He's like, oh, hold on, I gotta shut down the system to reboot the stuff. And I'm like, oh god, oh yeah. god. But no, I, I like hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts, right? I love, I love the, I loved all the characters. This one, uh, Newman was great. You know, Dodson. We got Dodson here. Uh, nobody cares. So many memes. Oh yeah, nobody cares. And, and then the the clever girl, like with the, the hunter guy, like the he's hunter, super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a great white hunter type thing. Um, so yeah, th- this is this is definitely a classic. I, you, yeah. So they've done great movies of them sequel since, but nothing right. can really none of, compare. None to of this. them. None one. of them reached the, the. I mean, part of it, like you want to say that it was just the achievement of having what looked like very real dinosaurs mm-hmm. in a movie twenty five. But years there's ago. more. Everything about. But there's the so much more to the story than that. Like yeah. that by itself is not enough. You've got amazing cinematography, John yeah. Williams score, um, all the Spielberg's little, all the little things, and acting. like how how they explain the park. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a talking ten minutes. But they, he's like, okay, let's do this a fun way. Let's put it like they're watching it on a ride, and, and just like, in the same way that they would do it if all of this were real. Yeah, so it's like if that's it was actually great. a theme park. Yeah, um, so so again, he can he he has the ability to be able to take something that's boring. He, he recognizes like this part in the script is probably not mm-hmm. visually fun or exciting. Let, let's do something with that, mm-hmm. you know. And and he he does a really good job of it. So final judgments. Yep. Um, oh, we changed this thing. Is this a movie? Yeah, yeah. Is this a movie that um, is on this list because it's significant in the history of film, or just because it's a good fun? I think it leads more for me. It leads more to fun. Yeah, but um, it is significant in that it. Well, no, I mean it's significant that Spielberg. All Spielbergs are, are significant. Sure. So I can't. I guess I can't be that i mean what that it shows dinosaurs in a realistic the, way the special effects i think are the only thing that you would say are like these yeah. are landmark special effects in yeah. 1993 yeah but but you don't you don't watch this one to, to be a better cinephile no no you, you don't but but you watch this because you need to watch this in your life to see a fun awesome dinosaur movie right that's also scary but also adventurous and yeah everything yeah this is definitely a bucket list movie that people should watch yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. It's good if you haven't seen it. If you've only seen the Chris Pratt ones, not nothing against Chris Pratt, but no. this one will still hold up. Th- like the original is still the best. Like that's not always yeah. the case. People do sequels and remakes that you're like, yeah, you you know, we talked about this with Lion King. Um, There's only one scene that that doesn't that shows its age, hmm. and I think it's the one to me at least. It's the sure. one where, when when he tells life finds a way. It's when they they're in the conference room with a lawyer. 
and they're, they, the camera's spinning around the room, and they're, they look like they're, they're all smoking cigarettes, and it looks like old sure. ashtrays and old monitors. And it, that one looks like, okay, that one looks like it's the, from the late the 80s setting, or 90s. The setting is old, but nothing about the nothing special Nothing the rest effects, of the stuff. Yeah. Because um, they're, that they're I out noticed, of that. Yeah. Ever, like, there were enough practical effects and things yes. that it all, it all looked Yeah, and, and they could have made it really bad because it's like a park of the future, and it's supposed to have all this stuff. Done they, it like Epcot. Yeah, but they don't make it look no. cheesy. They don't really get into that too much. They, mm-hmm. they do with the automated cars. Which is still actually, I mean, that's still a thing that we're still working on. <laughs> the bugs out. Uh, the so. cars on rails. And yeah, yeah. So anyway, right, good, we'll, good show. Next, next week we'll go to another old classic, even older, and we're going to watch Rocky. No Spielberg. Uh, yeah, the Rocky one or two, one or three, three, three. Two is with Lover Lane. Was his manager dead or alive? Mm-hmm. Lover Lane. Clever Mister Mom. This is another old one. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this actually. I think I did see it once as a teenager, and I just well, don't remember. Watch this one like in a time where you can sit down and watch it. Yeah. Cause, because the, the problem, I will say, with Rocky is that people don't stop and watch it. They, they, go, to, they go to this movie to watch a, um, a boxing sports movie, like a movie of him coming through and winning, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. It's a human movie about, a, about human people. And so you have to watch it. Like you have to sit down and pay attention to the dialogue, and and it's, it has slow paced moments at times. So I just since you haven't seen it, like right on. It, you know the tendency is to like I know the ending of the show, right? Which actually you probably don't. But does it end in freeze frame? Or does that's the it? Second one? Does it? I think they both do. It's the I have a tiger. Yeah. All right, that's good. We're right. we're running long, so let's. Uh, you good? Yeah, we're, we're good. We're got this up. Yeah. We'll. We got a couple of months to talk about BlizzCon. We don't have to talk about that. Right, right. I don't have my notes on this computer, so I'm winging it. You've, All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 107. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Um, let's get Klingons Dragons. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our show. Klingonsanddragons.com. There should be. There's we got our live episode, be right? a, Yeah, there's supposed to be an episode coming out this week, but that one's going to be late because I haven't edited it. Yet. <laughs> so that's and a fun I, one. That's and a, I won't fun. and I won't be home until tomorrow night, so right. that's not happening. Um, two, it, two, two nights. Tomorrow. It might it might just be a couple nights late. All right. uh, anyway, you can check that out. It's a Star Trek Adventures role playing podcast. It's not safe for work. Um, if you have questions or comments, feedback on the show, you can email us old school, um, front porch pod at gmail.com. I hope that's right. Um, or you can go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. We got the schedule for the hundred movies, which I have to update again. And which I think you say almost every I week. I say almost every week. <laughs> we watch a movie we every do. week. We do. We watch a movie every week. Edit it every week. I'm not very good about that. Um, we've also got contact forms. Uh, there are comment fields on every episode you can tell us what stuff we're wrong about um give us your uh your predictions for rise of skywalker oh yeah um all of that good stuff we love hearing from listeners awesome what did i say i said all the things all the things i think so yeah until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time 